We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday listen to Conversation with Unc hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. The only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Hey, Daniel, do you think there are some questions out there that we'll never know the answer to? Hmm, deep questions like, when is the best time to eat a banana? (laughs) What do you mean? Is there a controversy about that? Oh, man, people argue about this stuff online. You know, slightly green or wait for the brown spots. There's a lot of debate. Mm, Yeah, well, I don't discriminate. I think every banana is delicious. (laughs) But I was thinking, you know, bigger questions, bigger questions about the universe. Like, are we alone? Are there aliens out there? You just went right for the alien button. (laughs) I have it right here on my desk for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I'm talking about huge mind-blowing questions, you know, like, like, are we alone in the universe? You know, is humanity destined to wonder about these questions forever? Or do you think we'll find answers eventually? I think as long as we're around and we're putting some money in basic research, we'll keep making progress. So, you know, it could take a hundred years, it could take a thousand years, but I think someday someone will come along with a clever way to give us an answer, even for the very biggest questions. Like, when do aliens like to eat their bananas? (laughs) I think aliens like to eat you while you eat a banana. I got dark. I got a bunch of dark spots all of a sudden. I'm Jorge. I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist and I love really big questions we might never know the answer to. And where do you fall, Daniel, on the banana scale? Green or spotty? (laughs) I think right in between. Green makes you just your mouth feel like you're eating cardboard, but too spotty and you're basically eating a smoothie, which is not something you want. That's why they invented smoothies. That's right. I actually like the red bananas. Have you had the red bananas? Uh, I think I have. Yeah, they have them in Asia, right? Yeah, and also in Central America. Slightly Mm. strawberry flavored. Quite delicious. 
It's got a, a bouquet of strawberry and <laughs> oak carbon. They are sassy but unpretentious. <laughs> Here we are. And they are Latino, apparently. Yeah. Here we are shilling for Big Banana. But welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, and apparently bananas as well. <laughs> In which we like to explore topics that are big, bigger even than questions about bananas. Questions so big you can't even wrap your mind around them. Yeah, it's our show produced by Our Heart Radio in which we think about some of the biggest questions that there that can be asked about this crazy and pretty large universe we live in. That's right. And we like to take you to the forefront of knowledge, what scientists are thinking about, what the experts in the world have in their minds, but then translate it so that you out there with your kids or listening on your commute or everybody who loves questions and wants to understand the universe can really dig into it and get something out of it more than just banana jokes. Part of what we'd like to do is not just talk about questions for which physicists know the answer and try to explain to you those answers, but we also kind of like to talk about the the open questions out there, the questions that not even people with PhDs in universities have a good answer for. <laughs> Are you saying PhDs don't give you all the answers? I wish I had an answer for that, Danny. <laughs> well, I remember getting my PhD. It was a very unceremonious moment. Did you get it by default? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, at Berkeley, when you turn in your PhD, you're in some sub-sub-basement and you give it to the margins lady and she measures the margins in your PhD. And if everything looks ship-shape, she gives you a lollipop that says PhD. PhD on it. And that's oh, really? officially the moment you have a PhD. <laughs> wow. Did they, um, did you, do you still have that lollipop? You know, we recently cleaned out our house and I found a lollipop and my daughter Hazel was like, why does this lollipop say PhD on it? You found it? You still had it around? I still have it around. And did you let your daughter eat it? Because it's probably like 20 years old, man. I said, eat that and you will learn all the secrets of the universe. <laughs> it's the red pill. Take the red lollipop and you will never go back. No, but it's not very satisfying. You know, that moment you get a PhD, you don't feel like you know that much more. It's like a slow accumulation of knowledge and understanding. And, and in some ways, you learn how little you know about the universe, right? You're like, grappling with the infinity of our of our ignorance. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you basically become the world's expert in a very particular topic. And you realize that if you don't know, nobody knows. <laughs> like robots that run like cockroaches, for example. Yeah, that's right. If nobody knows how to make them practical, nobody knows. <laughs> if I don't know how to make them practical, nobody knows. <laughs> that's right. And one of the funnest questions, one of the really crazy things to think about is just sort of the nature of the universe we find find ourselves in. Yeah, what what is it like really? I mean, from we we know what we can see from this little point in the universe in the in the Milky Way from this little rock that we're all, we're all floating on. But and we can see some stuff out there, but what is the universe really like out there? You know, what's the shape of it? How how far does it go and and what's out there? And it's fascinating to me that this is a fascinating question. You know, mm. like it's fascinating that it's fascinating. Yeah, that it's one mm. of the questions that people want answers to, that people want to know this about the universe. You know, people have all sorts of questions about how stars are formed and how planets are made and whether there are aliens out there. But people are also just curious about, like, how far does it go? How does that all work? And to me, that says something about, you know, what we want to know the answers to tells me something about who we are and how we think. Do mm. you think this question of, 
um, what the universe is like out there is kind of primal to us as human beings. Like there's something innate in our nature that really kind of wants to know kind of what, what is this thing that we live in? Yeah, we want to understand ourselves. We also really want to understand our context, you know. Like if you're born in a little village, you wonder what else is out there beyond the edge of the village. And if you're an explorer, you wonder like what's deep in that jungle and what's out beyond the oceans. And there's just something in humanity that wants to know like what is the nature of our context? What defines our existence? What's beyond these four walls? Yeah, you can imagine being like an early explorer and thinking, you know, is this the only continent or are there more continents? Are there three continents out there if I keep going or are there an infinite number of continents? Yeah, and I love some of these sort of ancient arguments, you know, from like the Greeks and those folks about like, how big is space and how far does it go? And it really reveals something about the way they thought. And so today on the podcast, we'll be tackling one of these big questions about the universe, probably maybe the biggest question you can ask <laughs> about the universe. <laughs> so today on the podcast, we'll be asking the question. Is the universe infinite? Or is it just mind-bogglingly enormous? Right. Uh, but enormous, but with a limit, like finite, <laughs> finite, right? Like, does right. it have a size or does it go on literally forever and ever? Yeah, it's totally a fascinating question. And I was reading about this and I came across the sort of ancient argument for the universe being infinite. Some of the ancient Greeks, they believed the argument was infinite and they just needed a javelin to prove their point. Really? Wow. All this time you guys have been building telescopes and space telescopes <laughs> and particle colliders. All you needed was a stick. Yeah, exactly. I like the low-tech solution to some of these questions. <laughs> um, Wait, so you're saying the Greeks wondered if the universe was infinite? So they knew kind of generally what was going on? Like we're a planet, we're in a solar system, and then they were, were they just wondering if the Earth was infinite? No, they knew that, you know, there were planets. In fact, the Babylonians knew that there were other planets out there in the sky. We didn't know the nature of space or, you know, that the sun was just an example of other stars, but they had the sense that, you know, the sky wasn't a ceiling. The things went on for a while. And the question was, how far do they go? Um, and so, How tall is the ceiling in this biodome we live in. <laughs> yeah. And they had this fun sort of thought experiment because they couldn't venture out into space and involved throwing a javelin. And the argument goes something like this, like, imagine the universe is finite. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like then it has an edge to it. It has an edge to it. Now go to that edge and throw a javelin. What happens? Either the javelin keeps going, in which case you're not actually at the edge, right? And repeat forever. Or the javelin bounces off something, it like hits an obstruction, in which case that obstruction is past the edge. And so this is sort of an argument that suggests that the universe must be infinite. Oh, I see. It's kind of like um, testing how big your, your, your house is. You know, if you mm -hmm. walk and you hit a fence, throw a javelin. And if it hits something, go to, jump the fence and see if there's another fence. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, precisely. And this argument is essentially trying to say that it's nonsense for the universe to be finite. That is no way in which an edge makes any sense at all. Because if you get to an edge, then, you know, you have to think what's past it. Uh, and the javelin is sort of a way to probe it. Now, that argument, of course, totally flawed. It's not a proof mm, that the universe is infinite. The Greeks were wrong? What? <laughs> you can't prove that the universe is infinite with a javelin? 
turns out uh, we have learned one or two things since ancient times. <laughs> so you um, need two javelins. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into it in much more detail. But the essential idea is that this is flawed because the universe could be closed. It could be that the universe sort of loops on itself and you could keep throwing that javelin and picking it up and throwing it and picking it up and throwing it forever, even in a finite universe. Interesting. It is possible, you're saying, for the universe to have a wall at the end. I actually do think that that's not nonsense. It's possible for the universe to have a wall. But I think the simpler idea is for the universe to sort of just be closed on itself, like on the surface of a sphere. You know, if you're going to throw a javelin and then follow it and pick it up and throw it. You could do that on the surface of the earth basically forever without hitting a wall. That doesn't mean the earth is infinite. It's not. All right. Well, let's get into the different scenarios for what the universe can look like, whether it's infinite or not infinite or finite. But it's kind of a big question, right? It's kind of a, a deep question whether or not the universe goes on forever or whether it has a limit. Uh, but we were wondering, you know, we kind of like to wonder here, how important is this is this question and d does it really matter to people? Yeah. So I walked around campus and instead of asking them if they thought the universe was infinite, I asked them if it mattered to them. Does it make a difference in your life if the universe goes on literally forever or is just really, really big? And then I asked them if they wanted to know the answer. And I think their replies to that were quite revealing. You asked them a two part question. First, you asked them the technical one, and then you asked them if they wanted to know the answer. All right, well, th think about it. Those of you listening, think about it for a second. Do you think the universe is infinite or just really big? And would you want to know the answer? Either way, here's what people had to say. I think it does matter because it changes the scale of how... It's just, it's just weird to think that it's infinite. Uh, you can't really see that it's infinite, but it's just endless. To me, no. 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 It's nope. interesting, but it doesn't urge me to care which the answer is. Okay. No, not really. Uh, it's interesting, but no, yeah, not really. Not really. But do you want to know? Yes. You do. So why do you want to know if it doesn't make a difference? Uh, I don't know. It's a question nobody can really answer right now, and I just think that's interesting. Uh, I definitely want to know, but it doesn't influence my everyday life. But, so then why do you want to know? Uh, out of curiosity, I don't like not knowing things. I, I think that's the whole reason I joined physics, was mm. to, to gain more knowledge about the universe that we live in. I think it'd be cool to know, but it doesn't really affect me. So why is it cool to know? There's a higher or lower chance of like finding like a new planet, or maybe like there's a higher chance of finding aliens. I, I'd say on a day-to-day, -day, no, probably not. Okay, but do you want to know the, the answer? I think I would like to know the answer, so yeah. Why do you want to know? Because it would be nice to be able to say that I know whether or not it's infinite or just unfathomably large. All right. Mm, no. Do you no. want to know the answer, though? Yeah. So why do you want to know the answer? Just because you always want to know the answers to everything. <laughs> I think if it is infinite, that would blow my mind. I would be interested in knowing the answer to that, yeah. All right, so why do you want to know? Like, I think I'm yeah. someone who just likes to know things, and it's, uh, it's hard to actually articulate the reasons for that. Because it doesn't matter to me personally, but I'm intellectually curious. All right. Well, it seems like people answered both of your questions. They answered uh, whether they thought the universe was infinite or just really big and whether or not they wanted to know the answer. And they were both kind of different. Yeah, most people felt like, no, of course, it doesn't make a difference. You know, it doesn't change how you're going to live your life. It doesn't mean you should eat bananas when they're green or when they have spots in them. Right. There's no practical difference. 
Um, but then when I asked people if they wanted to know the answer, they perked up and maybe they thought like I had the answer and I could have revealed it to them or something. <laughs> you totally, <laughs> you teased them and then you let them down. But the thing is, you should have seen the curiosity in their eyes. Like imagine knowing for a moment, they imagined what it'd be like to learn that truth that could change your relationship with the cosmos. Right. And I think a lot of people put that really well. One of my favorite uh, responses was the guy who said that I'm someone who likes to know things and it's hard to articulate the reason why, but it is something really deep, you know, that you'd like to know. Interesting. Yeah, I guess it, uh, so most people, it seems, acknowledge that knowing whether the universe is infinite or not won't make a difference in their lives, but everyone <laughs> still wants to know. Everybody wants to know, and I want to know. Yeah, there is sort of an inherent curiosity in people. Yeah, and I think this being one of the biggest of questions really touches on that because as we were saying before, I think it connects to our curiosity, not just about ourselves, but about this place we live in. And it's sort of the biggest question about the biggest topic. And so th were they disappointed that you didn't know this, the answer to this question? <laughs> or that you wouldn't yes. give it to them? Yeah. <laughs> I said, hey, you got to tune into the podcast. So I left oh, it as a teaser. No, oh, um, yeah, I did let a few one people One listener down. at a time. <laughs> you're, you're teasing one listener at a time. <laughs> I did leave these people disappointed, unfortunately. You know, but uh, hey, if they listen to the podcast, maybe they can understand something about what we do know about the nature of this question. Well, I, it seems like there are only two options. Either the universe is really big or the universe is infinite. There's, there's sort of no third option, is there? Oh, I guess so. Yeah. The third option is, you know, the simulation one. You're actually trapped in a room somewhere and the universe is about 10 feet across and everything you're experiencing is just baloney. But no, you're right. If what we're experiencing is real and it's not a simulation then at the very minimum, the universe is ginormous. But it could be really, really big, or it could be extremely, in infinitely big. Yeah, and there's a lot of gradations there. It could be like ridiculously big. It could be redonkulously big. It could be like mind-blowingly unfathomably big. It could be like 10 to the that big, or it could be actually infinite. How about 10 to the ridiculously... <laughs> ridiculously <laughs> big. Yeah, I mean, any of these things, these are real numbers, you know? Mm, and yeah. the crazy thing for me is that one of these is true, right? There is a truth out there. The universe actually does have a size. Either it's finite or it's infinite. And one of those is true. And one day some human might actually know that truth and have that experience that all these listeners, all those interviewees were hoping to have. Well, I feel really teased now. I hope you have an answer for me at the end here, Daniel. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be disappointed as well. The answer is fund more physics research. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Give Daniel more money. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into this question a little bit more and let's get into how we would know if the universe is infinite or finite and what would happen if we found out. But first, let's take a quick break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag-A-Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. All right, Daniel, we're, we're asking the question, is the universe infinite or is it finite? And I guess my first question is, you know, is it possible? Which of these is possible? Are, they, are these both possible possibilities for the universe? Can the universe be really infinite or does it make sense for the universe to have a wall at the end and be closed off? I think, unfortunately, all of these things are possible. We can go through the various scenarios, but, you know, we're talking about big questions here and Questions that we don't have a lot of history in getting answers to. It's not like we've been to lots of universes, we've seen what happens, and we have a lot of experience. We're grizzled veterans in measuring universes now. This is going to be the first time, if we ever do get an answer, that we would learn this about a universe. So we got to be open-minded. Things that seem crazy to us are going to be based on our experience here, right? And so like if you think, oh, it's no, nobody weird. has a PhD yet on answering this question. Is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. We all got to be open minded. So anything that works mathematically, even if it's like revolting to our physical intuition, we got to be open to it. Because, well, we've been making progress, right? Before we thought the universe was um, just us. And then we found out that it's the size of the galaxy. And then we found out there's more galaxies. So I, f I feel like our... Uh, understanding of how big the universe is, is, is has been getting bigger progressively. Yeah, we've been biggering and biggering our imagination of the universe. But still, all of that is doesn't really address the question of whether it's finite or whether it's actually infinite. That just sort of increases the sort of minimum distance of the universe as we look further and further out. So to, yeah, so to answer your question, the universe could be finite or it could be infinite. Both of those things are possible. Well, let's tackle each one at a time and, mm -hmm. and see what each one would mean. So let's say the uh, let's uh, let's assume the universe is finite, meaning that there is a limited amount of space in space, um, and and that the universe doesn't go on forever. At some point, uh, it ends. It has like a volume, like a set number. That's the volume of the universe. 
Yeah, is that possible? Wouldn't that mean that there's like a wall at the end? And if there's a wall, what's the, on the other side of the wall? <laughs> you're going to take your javelin, you're going to go to that wall, and you're going to poke it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spend uh, 40 billion years traveling just to throw that javelin. Well, you have to remember what we're talking about here is the shape of space. And space is not nothing. It's not emptiness, right? Space is a thing that we are existing. It's the background uh, on which all of this physics happens, but it's not nothing. It's dynamical. It can twist and bend and ripple and do all sorts of crazy stuff. It's got like substance to it, to it, right? This the space of the universe. I don't know if substance is the right word, but it has a nature to it. It's not mm. nothing. I see. There's there is nothing, like literally nothing, and then there's space, which has something. We don't know if nothing is a physical possibility, right? So when we're talking about like the edge of space, yes, it's possible for space to be finite in different ways. In one way, it could have an edge. Like you could just like, you get to the edge of space and there's, and that's it. Now you might ask, well, what's beyond it? Well, the answer could be that there's nothing, there is not a thing beyond it. It's like when you get to the North Pole and you want to go more north, there's just no more northiness to go. Couldn't it be like like a like an island and you get to the edge of an island and beyond that there's nothingness? It could be, but an island, the edge is defined by the water, right? So what's the water in this analogy? Right. Well, there. the water could be nothing. Yeah, and then, space could be something. Yeah, but then you've sort of just redefined space to be the nothingness. And then you could ask, well, how far does that nothing go on? It doesn't really answer the question. But there's a real possibility that space is all there is, that there is that nothing isn't an option. That there's space and then there's space and there's not, there's no place where there's no space. Nothing is not an option. <laughs> Boy, that's a confusing sentence. And then you just, you get to that edge and you just can't go any further. Like what happens if you try to keep going? You just, you would not go anywhere? Maybe it's helpful to think about other examples where space is not simply connected, like in a black hole. If you're in a black hole, you can only go in one direction. You can only go closer to the center of the black hole because that's the only path the shape of space will allow. It's not just that the gravity is really strong. It's the bending of space that makes that means that every path points towards the center of the black hole, right? And so in the same way, if you got to like the edge of the universe, it just means that there's nowhere to go but back or sideways. There just oh, are no paths. I see. Like the universe might redirect you. Yeah, like what happens when you get to the edge of the subway system, right? Well, you either, you know, ride it back or you transfer to another line. Like you would throw a javelin at the edge of the universe and it would just get deflected to the side maybe. Yeah. Or, or come back at you and, and spear you. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that there's a wall there holding it in. It just means space ends. That's a total possibility. Space gets spacey or, or wonky at the edges. <laughs> yeah, it gets, because space is about, it's about the relative connections of these pieces, right? It's not an emptiness. It's a thing where it's a like this fluid we're moving through. And what we're talking about is the curvature of space, the connectedness of space, the topology of it, if you want to get technical, how it's connected to other bits. And, and that changes, right? That changes when you put mass in something, it changes how that stuff is connected. All right. So that's one possibility is that the universe is finite with an edge that is kind of wonky and doesn't let you poke through it. Yeah, that would be really weird and awesome to discover. But it could also be finite in the way the surface of the Earth is finite, but doesn't have an edge. And then it could be, we call that closed. It could be essentially be curved. And we know that that space could be curved, right? Gravity and energy bends it. And so it could just be that you keep going and you just sort of loop back to where you started. 
Right. It's like asking what is the length of a, a circle? Like if you take a length of string, string and you tie it to itself into a circle, like what's the length of it? It's finite, but it's not um, like a set number because it just goes around and around. Yeah, and it doesn't have an edge, right? There's no wonky bit there. You just keep going. And so that's totally possible. And that is consistent if space curves in a certain way, then it can loop back on itself. And so what we're talking about now is this curvature of space is really important in understanding the possible shapes of the universe, which determine the possible sizes, right? Because if, for example, space is curved in that way, it's like the surface of a sphere, then it can't be infinite. It cannot. If space is curved, right? If space is curved like the surface of a sphere, then it cannot be infinite. Yeah, then it would have to be closed and therefore finite. Really? Couldn't it be like a spiral? Like it's curved, but it just keeps spiraling outwards forever. Like fusilli pasta or something? <laughs> yeah, like uh, just take a string and keep spiraling it out. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I mean, you can have topologies that are like a donut, you know, or a bagel or something that have positive curvature, but that's still or, or like a like a like a like a seashell, you know, like it just keeps spiraling out, folding outwards. Isn't that possible too? Yeah, I wonder about that, you know, or like the surface of a cylinder. Surface of a cylinder is also um, curved, but could go on forever. But then the curvature would only be in one dimension. So I think if the curvature is sort of even in every direction, then it, then the sphere is the only a sphere or a toroid is the only shape that's consistent with that curvature. What if it looks like a slinky, you know, like a <laughs> like a spring? Then it could be finite, uh, infinite, and curved. Well, but I think the a slinky is essentially the same topologically as a straight cylinder. It's just sort of bent in another space, and that doesn't have curvature in every direction. But we're, when we're talking about the me measuring the curvature of space, it's something innate, and so it would be the same in every direction. Oh, I see. If it's uh, if it's curved inwards in all directions, then you sort of have to fold in on itself. And so that's another possibility, right? The universe could be finite and have a wonky edge, or it could be finite and be closed on itself, um, and like the surface of a sphere without right. any edges. So that, that's how a finite universe can make sense without imagining like a giant brick wall at the end, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you, but, and you say, you always like to say that this possibility that the universe is finite is sort of maybe comforting to human brains, but it, it is kind of a crazy idea, the, the idea that the universe ends at some point or that there, there's, it doesn't go on forever. Yeah. Do you think it's comforting to think that the universe is finite because, because infinity is hard to ma imagine? Yeah, I mean, infinity is uh, kind of scary, right? It's like it's like living in an infinite house. It's like a nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> the cle electricity the bills cleaning are bill, terrible. Yeah, the cleaning bill and the how many beds you have to buy. How have many you seen Ikea, my keys? Ikea, how many IKEA furniture uh, dressers you have to build? I mean, it's uh, it's the stuff nightmares are made of. You could literally be building furniture forever. Yeah. And once you lose your keys, they're just gone, man. They're gone, well, yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, I'm not sure which is more comforting, but I think the idea of a finite universe is really odd because then there's a number, right? The universe would have a size. And then you have to ask, like, why that number? Why not seven times that number or half that number? What is important about that number? And you wonder, like, is it random or is it fixed? Is it determined by something? Right. It would. There would be, like, a fixed number of... Uh, you know, electrons in it, you know, 
Like yeah. it would be uh, 7.3 trillion point one. <laughs> and not one electron more. And that not is your one more or budget. less, right? <laughs> is there, yeah, that's what makes a physicist worry. <laughs> it's just hard to grapple with. But that's why we're doing physics, right? We're asking these really basic questions about the universe so that then we can do the philosophy, so that then we can like do the therapy. Be like, all right, turns out this is the universe we live in. What does that mean? How do I live my life in that kind of universe? And Does that the, mean that when you go to a restaurant and you look at the menu, it, like the menu makes you uncomfortable? Like, why are there only 13 dishes here? <laughs> why aren't there 14 dishes or 12? I know that that doesn't arise from some deep fundamental principle of the universe that arises from some like argument, you know, between the managers um, when they were founding the restaurant. So not every number you spot reveals something deep about the universe. Uh, I see. All right. All right. All right. So then... Um, that's the finite possibility. So step me through the infinite possibility. Because to me, this one's the one that seems impossible. Like, how can something be infinite? But you're saying the universe could be infinite. The universe could totally be infinite. Yeah. I mean, if space is very simple and flat, you know, like the surface of a, of a flat plane, then it could just keep going on. It could just go on and on and on. And in some ways, that's sort of the simplest idea because it doesn't require an edge or complicated topology. I mean, it requires you to somehow invent an infinite number of electrons, which is, you know, a whole other problem you have to tackle at some yeah, point. Yeah, like an infinite amount of energy, right? Mm -hmm. And matter and mm -hmm. uh, possibilities. Like there's... it. it it means that there are versions of this earth somewhere out there in the same universe as us. Mm -hmm. And if you had a lot of experience measuring universes and finding them to be finite, I would understand your skepticism, right? But you have exactly the same experience that everybody else has, which is you have no idea how big a universe should be or whether it's weird to have an infinite universe. And so it could totally be, and it could be very natural. Mm. Are you saying that, that I don't have a PhD in universe <laughs> sizing? You have an incredible array of talents, but that is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, all right. So I guess you, as a physicist, you kind of have to treat all possibilities as um, possible. You know, if it's possible, then it's a possibility. Yeah. And so all you can do is say, what's possible? What would make sense from the physics point of view? What can we make work, you know, mathematically and theoretically? And then you go out and you confront those theories with the data and you say, well, do they predict something we can measure? Is there something in the universe out there that can give us a clue as to which of these scenarios we are actually living in? Right, because there might be clues out there that tell you whether the universe is finite or infinite without having to go to the edge to check. That's right. We certainly can learn something about this question by doing actual measurements that don't involve javelins. Well, what do we know right now about the universe? Like, how, how big do we think it is? As, as we know it right now, how big do we, do we think it is? Well, we've been looking out into space for a while, and we have these really clever tools now for measuring how far away stuff is. You know, we, can, we talked about this on the podcast, measuring the distance to nearby stars by basically looking at them in two ways, like binocular vision, and then using supernovas and stuff to measure the distance to even further stuff. So basically what we can do is we can ask, like, how far out can we see that sets a minimum size for the universe? Just like, you know, what's the observable universe? Right. Like, what's the furthest thing that we can see with our eyes or telescopes? And that tells us at least the universe has to be that big. That's right. And your naive calculation might be, well, it must be the speed of light 
times the age of the universe, which is almost 14 billion years. And so you might think, oh, it's a sphere 14 billion light years in radius. But that's actually an underestimate. The universe that we can see is much, much bigger than that. Right. That is so naive, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> that's like what a, a third year graduate student in physics might think. But no, I don't mean to be kind of saying at all. I mean, like that would make a lot of sense that that's all we can see because light has to travel here from those places. And we talk a lot in the podcast about how, you know, the further away you look, the further back in time you're looking at. Eventually, you run out of time. The universe is not infinitely old. So stuff that's really far away just hasn't had a chance to get here. Yeah, well, that's how 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 big you th we would think it would be. But uh, you, you were saying that we we can tell the size by how far the thing, the furthest thing we can see is. Yeah, and it turns out that stuff is further away than the age of the universe times the speed of light because the universe is not static; it's expanding. Stuff is moving away from us. So light has gotten to us from stuff that is now further away than the speed of light times the age of the universe. Right, because we know that, right? Whether it's finite or infinite, we know it's getting bigger. We know it's stretching, it's expanding, it's getting more spread out. So the furthest that we can see is about 43 billion light years away. Wow, or, or I guess 21 billion light years each way. No, it's 43 billion light years in radius. So it's the diameter of more than 90 billion light years across, which is, I mean, it's a huge number. Like, why really? would anybody even need more universe than that? <laughs> well, <laughs> depends on how many Daniel and Jorge's you, you want. <laughs> we got big plans here, folks. We yeah, need some more room. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need more of us, obviously. <laughs> All right, so our current estimate of how big the universe is, is 96 billion light, light years wide, meaning it would take you right now 96 billion years to go from one end to the other or more i guess since it's growing it's growing yeah so you couldn't actually go from one edge of the observable universe to the other because it's growing and space is expanding faster than light can move through it so a photon on one edge of the of the universe will never reach the other side of the observable universe wow. so yeah. we know at least it right now as, as far as we know is 86 billion light years wide yeah, and that's the minimum, right? So that's an at least, and that's already a really big number. But we know something else about the universe, which is really important. We know not just how far we can see, we know something about the shape of space. We know like how things are curving. All right, let's get into the shape of space and how shapely it is and whether or not it is actually infinite or just crazy big. But first, let's take another quick break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile, and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months, a premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, Daniel. So we know that the universe right now, or at least at some point, is at least 86 billion light years wide. But we don't know if it, act, if it keeps going on much more than that, or a little bit after that, or maybe that it's actually infinite and it goes on forever beyond 86 billion light years. Uh, that we can see. Uh, and so I guess the question is, how could we even tell? You know, we're sitting here in this little rock in this uh, tiny galaxy. Uh, how could we possibly tell whether the universe goes on forever or not? Because we can't really get travel as far, you know, forever to check. Yeah, you're right. In some sense, we know literally nothing about what's past there. Like there could be crazy blue dragons the size of galaxies out there and we would have no information about it because photons from those dragons haven't reached our eyeballs. And so almost anything could be happening outside the observable universe. So any argument we're going to make is going to be sort of frustratingly indirect because we can't go out there. And even if you wait another billion years, the observable universe grows, we can see more of it. We'll never, literally never see all of it, right? It's not like we will could ever prove directly that the universe is infinite. So it's going to rely on some sort of in, more indirect argument. Right, because you could send a probe out there to see if you hit a wall or if it curves around, but you, you would have to check forever to make sure that the universe doesn't go on forever. Mm -hmm. So you could prove that the universe is finite, but you can't prove directly at least that it's infinite. Like you could send a probe out there and it, it does hit a wall or it loops back around itself and comes back to Earth and it's very surprised, right? You could you could make that kind of demonstration. People have looked, you know, they've looked out into space to see like, are stars repeating? Do we see the same pattern over and over again? Which would suggest that the universe is sort of small and finite and that light is like zoomed through it a few times in the history of the universe. So you could prove that it's finite, but direct proof that it's infinite is actually impossible. Wow, that's a little disturbing. But we can make some interesting arguments, right? You know, you said before, you were making arguments before about how 
unusual or unnatural infinity is, we can make sort of the opposite set of arguments. We could argue that infinity is actually the most natural explanation. Mm, you could find some mathematical uh, proof that the universe is infinite, you mean? Like from what we can tell about the nature of the universe, it says our formulas say that the universe should be infinite or finite. Yeah, you could make that kind of argument. And while that argument will never be like 100% satisfactory because you can't ever prove that something is infinite, it could still be pretty satisfactory. And a lot of other things in physics or in science, at least, we accept with the same level of proof. For example, we think that momentum is conserved everywhere in the universe. You know, we think that every time things bump into each other, the momentum is the same before and after. We haven't checked every single time rocks bump into each other, the momentum didn't leak out of the universe somewhere, right? We have a fundamental principle, there's a symmetry about translational invariance that we invoke, that we believe, and that momentum, uh, conservation momentum is a consequence of it. So in a similar way, we make some argument that implies that the universe has to be infinite, then maybe we could believe it. I see. Like maybe if a conservation of momentum uh, necessitates, like it needs for the universe to be infinite for it to be true, then we might as well say that, yes, the universe is infinite. Because if you believe conservation of momentum, then you have to believe that the universe is infinite. Yes, and it would have to necessitate that, right? So you'd need some theory of how the universe works that requires the universe to be infinite. That, so the theory only works if the universe is infinite. And then you need to rule out all other possible theories um, and show that the data are consistent with your theory that requires an infinite universe. And in that case, you could convince yourself that the universe is infinite. If you had the right PhD thesis, <laughs> you could make the, you could convince yourself of anything. Yeah. And so I went around and I actually asked cosmologists this question, you know, I said, can you imagine a theory of inflation or of the early universe or of cosmology that only works if the universe is infinite? And uh, that stumped all of them. Really? They couldn't yeah. imagine it. Well, we have a theory of the universe, it's inflation, that's most natural if the universe is infinite. But it could probably work in a finite universe also. It can work either way. It doesn't assume uh, an edge. It doesn't assume an edge or a curvature. And, you know, we've measured the curvature of the universe and we've measured to be really flat, like very, 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 very flat. And that's consistent with what we think happened at the very beginning of the universe. We think the universe expanded really, really quickly and that stretched everything out. Um, but to cosmologists, the universe is either infinite or like ridiculously big, like we're on the surface of a huge sphere. And to them, it doesn't really make that much difference for their calculations. Because for the cosmologists. For the cosmologists, oh, yeah. Oh, man. The, yeah. So everyday people care more about whether the universe is finite or infinite than cosmologists. <laughs> well, that's funny because I asked them, like, does it make a difference to your theory whether the universe is actually infinite or just really vast? Like, you know, like it seems flat because we're on the surface of a huge sphere, but it's actually not. And they said, no, it doesn't make any difference. And then I said, well, would you like to know the answer? And then they were like, oh, of course, I'm desperately curious. <laughs> I you know? see. And so in that way, they, they share this wonder, oh, this curiosity. Mm, um, right. Even though it doesn't affect their job. Yeah. Either, even as cosmologists. That's right. But I did get an estimate. An estimate of, of how crazy the idea is or, or what this theory would look like. No, an estimate for sort of the minimum size of the universe. Given that what we've measured is that the universe seems flat, then either the universe is infinite or it's at least... 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 122 megaparsecs wide. What? 
<laughs> and that's an, oh. that's an argument from like looking at the quantum fluctuations in the early universe and asking how do those blow up to give us the universe that we have now? And if so, how much must it have blown up? And that's the number they come up with. So if you ask a cosmologist, people who think about the, the universe and the beginning of it, they have a minimum size of the universe. Some of them do. This is not like a widely believed number. This is just oh, like I see. an estimate. Some of them, I see. Yeah. But uh, so some of them, based on what they know about the universe, uh, they think that the universe has to be at least that humongous number big. That's right. But, but I think another interesting thing to understand is that to cosmologists, the universe being infinite is sort of the default. It's the idea that makes the most sense to them. They have no trouble with that at all. And the reason is that they invoke a very basic argument. They say, look, the universe should be the same everywhere. And if the universe is finite, then you ask questions like, why is it finite? Why is it here? Why is it not over there? And so this sort of like universal principle that the universe should look the same everywhere makes it very natural for them to think of the universe as being infinite. Right. I'm a little suspicious, Daniel. I feel like you asked this cosmo those cosmologists and they, they, they believe the universe is infinite, but when you probe them to give you a minimum number, they just gave you a ridiculous, <laughs> made-up, <laughs> fake <laughs> number. I mean, what kind of number is like 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10? That's, that sounds like they just pulled that out of their pocket. Well, you know, you can read the paper. We'll link to it uh, from this episode. And there actually is a calculation there, you know, and you start from small quantum fluctuations and what we know about the expansion of the universe. And if you want to get a universe that's this flat, where space really does seem flat, then either it's infinite or you're on the surface of a redonkulously big sphere of radius. I don't even know what you name that oh, number. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying that if the universe is finite, then we would see more curvature in it because that's the only way to explain the... A finite universe is, is kind of the sphere or, or torus type of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. I see. But the only, so the only way to explain the flatness that we see is by either assuming the universe is infinite or it's a ridiculous number. Yes. And I hold that hope that, you know, someday these um, cosmologists will think of a reason, will think of a way to actually test the infinitude of the universe. The infinitude. That sounds like a, <laughs> like a I don't know, like a brand of... of um, <laughs> Of uh, sound equipment or something. It sounds like sneakers that Bill and Ted will wear in their next great adventure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, we're, you we're in the early days of understanding this question. You know, we don't understand how the universe came to be. There are a lot of possible constraints there. If we understood the mechanism that created the universe and started inflation, then we can answer questions like, is it reasonable to have an infinite number of electrons or just 10 to the 70 jillion? And so there's a lot more information coming down the pike. And so I'm optimistic that one day we will know the answer to this question. All right. Well, it sounds kind of like you guys are leaning towards infinite, you know? I definitely it, it sounds like infinite. we should all be preparing our brains for the fact that this is an infinite universe and there, there's an infinite number of me's out there and other Earths repeating itself after a while. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I hope the universe goes on forever. It'd be sort of claustrophobic mentally to imagine that there's a limited amount of stuff. You know, that if we somehow were able to travel the stars, that there's like a full list of all the stars you could visit. And of course, it'd be a big number, but it's not that comfortable to imagine that there's an end to that list. That at some point you'd be like, well, I've done them all. Kind of like this episode, which we have to wrap up soon because <laughs> it's not infinite, the amount of time we have. <laughs> and too bad, right? Wouldn't you just like to talk forever? <laughs> <laughs>
well, are you sure? But would people <laughs> like to listen to us forever? <laughs> a couple of dudes talking for an infinitude. <laughs> Daniel and Jorge talk forever. <laughs> yeah. The longest podcast <laughs> ever. <laughs> It's just a continuous stream that That's never right. stops. And you'll yeah. never get to the end of it because we keep talking. If you started after we already began talking, you'll never catch up. Right, right. And then after a while, we just keep repeating the same jokes. <laughs> Although I don't think you need an infinite universe for that. Daniel, or an infinite <laughs> right. podcast. We've, we've, already, we've already closed the curvature on that. I think we've that. measured the curvature of this podcast. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's fairly round. It's about 50 podcast episodes before we start repeating the jokes. But I think this is one of my funnest questions because it really does touch on our innate curiosity, our desire to understand the, the way the world works and our place in it. You know, and are we totally insignificant or are we just very insignificant? And that's an important question. All right. Well, but in this universe, we want to thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed that. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and for lending us a non-infinite slice of your day. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge. That's one word. Or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening. And remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.